I'm Joel Parker, and this is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. Today is Tuesday, February 28th, 2023. Coming up, we talk with Dr. Casey Fiesler about recent generative artificial intelligence programs that create text and images. How do they work? How are they used? And what are the implications? You're listening to Generative Music by Brian Eno. What do we mean by generative? The term has become more widely known in context with generative text programs like ChatGPT and generative image programs like DALI, all broadly described as generative AI, artificial intelligence. To dig more into these programs, how they work and are used, I spoke with Dr. Casey Fiesler, Associate Professor of Information Science at the University of Colorado Boulder. We start by talking about the historical background of artificial intelligence that led to things like chat GPT. You know, it's interesting. Chat GPT has been very exciting and at its core, it is a chatbot, uh, which immediately made me think of one of the original examples of a chatbot, which was Eliza from the 1960s. I remember. And yeah. So Eliza was mimicking a psychoanalyst. Very simple procedural coding, a bunch of rules. If you say this, then it responds with this. And so you would say something like, I'm very upset about my mother today. And the chatbot would say, tell me more about your mother. <laughs> it worked very well right. for a psychoanalyst. But what I thought was interesting about the paper that the computer scientists wrote about that at the time was they said, you know, this is really dazzling to people, but as soon as they understand how it works, the magic slips away and it's no longer as magical or dazzling. And it actually is very easy to explain to someone how Eliza works. It makes a lot of sense. It's a lot harder to explain how ChatGPT or any kind of generative mm -hmm. AI works. And so I think it's a lot harder for that kind of magic to slip away, actually. Right. Now, I, I remember playing with Eliza back in the day on some Unix system. And it, it was fun. But like you said, it seemed pretty simplistic. Pretty soon you'd be hitting the same responses all the time that were very generic. What is it that led to the capability of having something like ChatGPT? So ChatGPT is a chatbot that is built on top of GPT-3, which is OpenAI's large language model. In a very simplistic sense, a language model is a probability distribution over a gigantic data set of words. 
simplistically, ChatGPT is just a statistical model of what word likely comes next. Hmm. Now, it is impressive, and it is somewhat more complicated than that. It involves uh, types of supervised and reinforcement learning where humans have given input into the model to make it better. But the model isn't understanding language, and it's certainly not sentient. It's certainly not intelligent. It is an extremely uncannily good prediction about what word should come next. But it really is uncannily good at that. Can you explain how chat GPT was trained and what kind of data it was fed? So my understanding is that GPT-3 is trained on very large data sets, essentially from the internet. Um, data sets like Common Crawl, which is just a giant scrape of the internet. Um, which which well could like, have an interesting bias in itself. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Um, and some people might have also uh, seen, a, there was a, a news story, uh, I believe, last month about how part of the development of ChatGPT was having um, very low paid workers in Kenya going through the data in order to flag things that were uh, inappropriate being a very mild word for, mm. for what we're talking about here, but trying to reduce toxicity and that sort of thing in the data. Another item that has been in discussion recently along with generative AI capability is DALI, which does image generation instead of textual generation. Can you give a little background on DALI? Yeah, so AI image generators like DALI or Midjourney is another one that you've been hearing a lot about, stable diffusion. These are similar in that they are trained largely off of captioned images from the internet. I mean, if you think about how many images on the internet are labeled in some way, whether it's captions or the words around them or alt text for screen readers and this sort of thing, it is a data set of an unfathomable size. Hmm. <laughs> and that is what those models are based on. Chat, GPT, and Dolly are kind of a reflection of the internet in some ways. Yeah, well, and honestly, that's one of the reasons that some people are quite upset about this is because what is running these models are artwork that were created by humans, and this is being used without their consent, which a lot of people are really upset about. There is always that question of originality <clears throat> and where the material comes from. So these generators are not thinking things up out of whole cloth. They're using source text, source images, which were human created, original artwork, original text. How is that dealt with as far as creator rights? You can't necessarily easily point to something and say, you know, that came from this book or this source that someone blogged. So I think there's a couple of really important things related to this point. So the first thing you, you just pointed out is that there's no source. And this is something that I think it's really important for people to understand. Like ChatGPT is not a search engine. 
I've talked to a lot of people about this. I've made a lot of TikToks about ChatGPT, and so I hear exactly what what people's misconceptions are. Uh, and and when I pointed out that one of the problems with potential misinformation on ChatGPT is that you can't verify the source in the same way that you can for a, a chat engine, and people have said to me, "Oh, but you know, I, you know, I'm sure eventually they'll include the sources." But it's not that the sources aren't included; it's that there are no sources. When you ask ChatGPT a question, it's not like searching for some information, even in its own data. I mean, it doesn't really have its own data. It's like a model at this point. But instead, again, it's a prediction about what word comes next. So there is no source. Hmm. And that's one of the challenges, I think, for evaluating information that you get from it is that the only way to evaluate information from ChatGPT is to independently evaluate it, like then go Google it. Right. And the other point related to that is, you know, your point about like creativity, for example, again, an image generator, at least Dolly and Midjourney are not like, oh, this is a transformation of these four pieces of artwork. It really is based on this enormous data set. And so part of the question becomes, is what you create with a generator like that your art, your creativity. And actually just like three or four days ago, the US Copyright Office said, no, it is huh. not. You cannot copyright a piece of work from uh, Midjourney specifically. So this was one specific case about a comic book, but the Copyright Office actually rescinded partially a copyright registration that they had granted because they said that it did not have human authorship. Right. It wasn't a human created element that therefore is copyrightable by some given human who had that generator generated. It's interesting. Yeah. And I think that ethically, normatively, and legally, we're going to see a lot of like, where are these boundaries? Because I do, I do personally think there is a difference between like going into Dolly and typing in, you know, girl in a red dress. I do not think that the output of that then has human authorship, but you can imagine carefully crafting a paragraphs long prompt, getting output from that, tweaking it and doing this for hours and hours until you get exactly what you want. One might argue that that uh, does become human authorship. Sure. And so I think we're going to see a lot of test cases on these things. No, that's very interesting because you can imagine as artists went from pencil and ink to digital medium, which gives them a lot more flexibility that they didn't have with earlier media. How much is the artist doing it and how much is the capability of the computer to put the pixels at exactly the right spot? So it seems to be creeping along in this gray area of how much is simply computer-assisted versus generated, there's still a human in the loop. The question is how much? Absolutely. Yeah. What do you see as currently now their capabilities and limitations? So one of the major limitations that we've been hearing a lot about with respect to ChatGPT, as well as the Bing integration of ChatGPT and also Google's BARD, is that they do give bad information. It also fabricates sources, which I think is interesting. Mm. As a professor, what actually one of the very first TikToks that I made about this was telling students like, hey, you know, if you use ChatGPT to write an essay for you and you ask it to give you references, it, it totally will. 
and they look very convincing and it's like real authors real journals and articles that were never written because again it's not Mm. finding sources it's what word probably comes next and so it's very easy to then come up with a journal article title that sounds right sounds very truthy but doesn't exist yeah and both microsoft and google's demos that they did of bard and bing recently had misinformation in their demos (laughs) It, it does raise the question of How does ChatGPT generate responses and what techniques does it use to ensure the accuracy and the relevance of its answers? Or does it? Well, not not really. When you go to use ChatGPT, it gives you a set of limitations and one of them is a warning that the information might be bad. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why I think it is a different thing to integrate a chatbot like this into a search engine is slightly different because then you get the source of the information as well. And it's the idea is just that you are presenting the information to someone in a more conversational way. However, we saw a bunch of journalists playing with Bing. And one of the examples I saw, ChatGPT or the Bing version of it, was absolutely insisting that it was 2022. (laughs) Ah. So I I think that it's just very important that people realize this because it changes what it's appropriate to use this technology for. Mm-hmm. And you have to know that you just have to know that the information it's giving you might be incorrect. And so there are some things you might use it for where that doesn't matter. Like you might use it to help you draft an email. You might use it to help you edit some text that you've written to communicate something better. Sure. Um, you might even use it to, you know, do something creative for you, uh, but do not use it to write a term paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there have been a lot of things in the news about, oh my gosh, people are using chat GPT to write their college entrance essay exams or to write student papers. So how can a admissions committee or a professor tell? Well, I don't know that there's a good answer to this yet. I mean, I will say, you know, I had ChatGPT do some essays for my class, for my ethics class, actually. (laughs) The ethical implications of AI (laughs) and science fiction. (laughs) Even picked its own science fiction films to write about. And it was like mediocre undergrad work. It, It read to me actually like like someone would write if they were trying to hit a word count <laughs> like kind of it didn't flow very well it did sort of the things that it was supposed to do it was like you know b b minus uh kind of work um so i you know but i still you have b b minus students sure sure absolutely and i think it is reasonable that educators are concerned about this one way that i've been thinking about this is you know people are asking me like oh you know casey would you would you stop your students from using spell check and the answer is no i absolutely would not stop my students from using spell check unless it's a spelling test in which case i would tell you do not use spell check on the spelling test and so i do think that there are ways that chat gpt might be used as a tool particularly as you know we move forward and we like find some norms around it and this kind of thing. And so the challenge becomes like knowing when something is a spelling test and when it's not. I have already heard about educators who are doing things like generating essays with ChatGPT and then telling students to fact check it. 
um, or evaluating mm-hmm. the argument that ChatGPT makes or like having them fill in the blanks of things that ChatGPT does and that sort of thing. And, you know, this isn't actually an issue about learning so much as it is about evaluating learning. And I do think that as our technology changes and as our tools change, I mean, you can say the same thing about the calculator, then the things that we teach students and the tools that they use and that we teach them to use uh, will change. That's interesting, turning it into a teaching and a learning tool effectively. That's great. I think that it's entirely possible. I mean, I also think that, I do think that some of the shine is going to start to wear off. An example is when I first started playing with it, I tried a whole bunch of different things. One of the first things that I tried was I asked ChatGPT to write a fan fiction about Sherlock Holmes on the Star Trek Enterprise. And it, it totally did, right? And I was so impressed that it could do that. Like mm-hmm. the fact that it could do that at all, I thought that was cool. It was impressive, but it wasn't good, right? Like it was, it wasn't good fan fiction. I could write magnitudes better fan fiction <laughs> about Sherlock Holmes on the Starship Enterprise. The point is it wasn't good. And so I think once you like get past like, oh my gosh, what this can do, you realize that it can do these things, but a human could probably do a lot of these things better. And so I feel like the shine will start to wear off Mm. um, a little bit. And the same is true for like students writing essays. They can, they can do better than this can do. (laughs) They can. So along that line, could you explain what the Turing test is and whether you think chat GPT passes the Turing test? The Turing test is the test that Alan Turing proposed many, many decades ago for machine intelligence. Um, And actually, the original version of the Turing test wasn't, can a person tell a machine and a person apart? It was, can a person tell whether a machine is pretending to be a particular gender? (laughs) The imitation Um, test it was originally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the imitation game. I don't know. I mean, I guess I could imagine... I can certainly imagine that ChatGPT could fool people into thinking that it was written by a real person. My personal take on it is I don't necessarily think that that actually is any indication of actual intelligence or not. We're in a very, very different world than Alan Turing was. Right. right. You might recall, like mid last year, there was this big to do over an engineer at Google telling everyone that he thought that an AI that Google had developed was sentient. Right. And do I think that it was? Absolutely not. However, I do think the fact that people would think that it is, is almost like as big of a deal in terms of what that means, right? Like, Hmm. (laughs) I don't, we are not in any world yet where we need to start worrying about like robot rights. We're going to talk about AI ethics. I would like to get human rights. Once we have human rights, like totally covered, especially when it comes to AI, then maybe there's a point at which one needs to start thinking about robot rights, but we are not anywhere (laughs) near there. I tend to think that like starting to be concerned about like, oh no, what does it mean if it's intelligent is sort of like missing the plot right (laughs) right Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that all of this kind of technology is raising a lot of issues around misinformation and bias and data ownership and privacy and all kinds of things that we're going to struggle with in in the coming days and years and decades. So the listeners 
can't see us? How do they know we aren't just chat GPT generated voices here? Do I need to worry how on earth we'll be replaced by AI chatbots interviewing each other? I do think obsolescence and job loss is something that people are really concerned about right now. But I prefer to think about uh, if tools like this really are that good. Um, that that could could become a concern, then I would like to think of how they augment us as opposed to how they replace us. But, but again, I don't think they're actually that good yet. <laughs> um, and I also think that like our standards would have to lower significantly for us to want a chat GPT talk show instead of you. Hmm. Like, well, it's, thanks. <laughs> we are not there yet. <laughs> well, what do you see as positive uses for these generative AI tools for text and images? Um, I mean, like I said, I think there are ways that they can augment what we're doing and help us as long as we have a very good understanding of the limitations. People were concerned when they heard that ChatGPT passed the bar exam and medical licensing. I mean, I passed the bar exam. Like I can tell you, I'm not surprised that ChatGPT could pass the bar exam. Like it's just... <laughs> <laughs> um, so people were concerned about that, though. They're like, oh, my God, we're going to have robot doctors. And I, I, we are not going to have robot doctors. What we might have is like a doctor with an incredibly sophisticated AI in their pocket helping them. We already know that AI has a lot of really positive medical and health applications. Um, like I have an insulin pump that has an AI on it that's amazing. You know, so I think that there are applications like that as long as humans are still making the decisions. And I think that's where we're going to be. Human in the loop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so with these rapid advancements in artificial intelligence, do you think chat GPT represents a significant breakthrough in natural language processing? And what future developments can we expect to see in this field? So ChatGPT, as I said, is based on GPT-3, um, which has been around for quite a while. My understanding is there's going to be a GPT-4 soon. Um, I don't know that like ChatGPT itself was like the breakthrough, but the accessibility of it and the fact that everyone has now experienced what a large language model like this could do, like that's what's new. Uh, and, you know, I imagine that these will continue to be improved upon. I mean, I actually think that one of the more impressive things that ChatGPT can do that maybe is actually even a little harder than humans to do is what you were mentioning earlier, which is like mimicking styles. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, being able to tell ChatGPT like, um, oh, actually, I have a really good example. Uh, <laughs> so over, over the holidays, I wrote a parody of uh, The Night Before Christmas with uh, about AI ethics. It's mm. about like the elves using a predictive algorithm. Anyway, it's very good. <laughs> and someone like joked on uh, my post about it and said, how do we know that ChatGPT didn't write this? And <laughs> so I had ChatGPT write one. And it actually, it's very good at like mimicking the style of, you know, a particular type of poem or, mm -hmm. you know, tell me about AI ethics and the style of Emily Dickinson uh, kind of thing but it still was not good. Right. <laughs> Although so, I've uh, seen some amusing examples like write about making a peanut butter jelly sandwich in the style of the King James Bible. And it it was pretty good. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's fun. 
Um, and I'm, but I'm not worried about large language models replacing creative writing anytime soon. It's not going to be re replacing poets. It's not going to be replacing artists. I, I think that if there's any concern about like types of work in that area that might be disrupted, it's things like stock photos and very basic copywriting, um, like the things that are more, more sort of like basic versions of things, um, I think is possible. But like, there will always be there will always be a place for for our human artists. I'm glad to hear that. And as part of a test for our listeners, during this interview, I interspersed three questions that were generated by chat GPT, where I said, generate three questions about chat GPT in the style of Joel Parker on the KGNU radio show, How on Earth. So we'll leave it to the listeners to see if they can pick out which of those questions chat GPT generated versus out of my head. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for being on the show, Casey. You are very welcome. And I promise that none of my answers were generated by ChatGPT. <laughs> that was Dr. Casey Fiesler, Associate Professor of Information Science at the University of Colorado Boulder, talking about generative AI programs such as ChatGPT and DALI. all for this edition of How on Earth. Our executive producer is Beth Bennett. This week's show is produced by yours truly, Joel Parker. Our theme music was written and produced by Josh Cutler. Additional music from Brian Eno. Visit our website at howonearthradio.org to find past episodes, extended interviews, and you can subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Questions or comments? Call the KGNU comment line at 303-447-9911. For How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show, I'm Joel Parker. <laughs>